was gambling in Havana I took a little risk Send lawyers, guns and money Dead, get me out of this Hello, everybody. This is episode 42 of the Matt Jones podcast here on a taping this on a Tuesday, May the 31st. Our goal this week is to get two or three in. I'm trying to tape the podcast so that when I go on vacation, we have a couple in the bank. Um, Over the next week or two, I'm going to have a one-on-one with Joe B. Hall as a podcast. Awesome. And then uh, Matt Matthew Bradford, you know, the, the... uh, former former Army uh, guy in Lexington who was, of course, a hero mm-hmm. from the Iraq War. He's mm-hmm. going to sit down with me and talk about his – I'm really looking forward to that one. That's a great dude. Do you know him very well? I do not, uh, but I'm sure he's got some uh, great stories. Exactly. And, so uh, we, we're going to do all that. As you can hear, Tony Vanetti is here uh, right now. And, you know, it's great to have you, Tony. It's good to be back, man. Uh, what have you? What summer things have you done so far in this early summer? Like, have you been to the pool, the lake? I try not to go to pools. Okay. I feel like pools are uh, they're, they're breeding grounds for children. <laughs> as a Wait a minute. Breeding grounds for germs or for children? <laughs> I think those two things go hand in hand. I, right? There's no doubt about uh, it. Germs. And children are sort of, uh, they're this, and, and you know, it, if you think about it, swimming pools are, are nasty. Concept. They're nasty. They are. And, uh, and so, no. But I do, like, I, 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 my summer is playing golf. Usually Memorial Day weekend, I go to the, uh, to the lake, but I didn't do that this week. Now, what percentage of people do you think look good in a bathing suit Almost at none. any given? So, what? give me a percentage. Well, here's the thing. Three percent? Ooh, that's a great... That's a great question. So you're asking me what percentage of people are look any- good, not okay, but look good to where you're like that girl or that guy looks good in a bathing suit. Now specifically girls because it's it's obviously First less of all, clothing. Yeah, I would say less than less than four percent. Okay, I would agree. Be, because and here's the thing: even people who look even people who are in good shape look terrible in a bathing suit and look and look really good don't necessarily That's look right. good. Up close. Right. Like, Instagram has sort of made us, like, not look at anyone in the correct way. Right. Yeah. Because right. you're posing. Exactly. Like, I do that, too. Like, you can you can use the shades, and you can kind of use the skin tone. So the double chin is exactly. there. There's all kinds of things you can do. And a girl can place her hand on her rump very good in a point. place to where it's and hiding. And they can stand where the knee gets yes. jacked up, and yes. they're like, oh, my. Right, you, right. You, you yes. Know? So, yes. So, so there's that. And then the other thing is, I just find that, that people at a pool are just in their not fun self. Like no. everyone, like parents are, are stressed. Yes. Kids are running around. Oh. And it just It's just not my thing. But what I do do is I play a lot of golf. Right. Like golf is my activity. And then I, I, we usually go to the lake on Memorial Day, but we didn't do that because, you know, Tom Jurich's lake house is literally right across the lake from where we go. And he has a big U of L flag. Right. And we are going to plant a big uh, KSR flag. <laughs> You're not. Yes, we are. Don't get killed. No, no, I'm not going to get killed. It just feels like that he needs to know that KSR no, is, he doesn't. In, is in the no, house. No, he doesn't. Leave his property alone. Okay. No, no, I'm not getting near his property, but I want he can see it. From oh, his okay. Boat. I thought you were going to go to his no. land and plant a flag. Come on, in I'm his a grown land. up. I'm not going to sit there and like. Well, her. you don't hang with all, all the grown ups here. That's true. Well, my my friends okay. wanted to swim across it. Yes, I'm sure. We have a boat, but he wanted to swim. Yes. Let me, but before we get going here, touchofmodern.com. 
you are a man that's modern, right? I am. I am. And touchofmodern.com allows you to give dad something he can brag about this year. That's right. What's the worst Father's Day gift you've got? Oh, well, just bothering me in general, talking to me. I want to get back to that for a minute. But touchofmodern.com has a great site for gifts for dad. It's it's kind of like, well, it's like it would say. It's a little modern. So, like, you get kind of cool-looking shoes, paintings, watches. That's cool. Like, it's all kinds of stuff. We need help. They have draw-dropping tech gadgets. That's cool, and and then look, Dad needs those to stay hip. And you can and also, so you can go to, to your web to the website touchmodern.com, or on an, you can get download the app. So I'm just on the app right now. I'll show the top three things that come up: a Hublot watch, cool, a DJ Potter wine bottle that turns into a lamp. What? <laughs> cool. Let's see. All right. And then a Stat Gear survival and rescue tool. Ooh. One of those things that has stuff coming Ooh, out of all the. I like that. So, see, you could get on, and every day it changes. I like that. Like every day there's something, uh, something because different. Because you can't, there's at some point you're like, what am I going to get that guy? A glow in the dark phone charger. Your cord is going oh, so you always know where it is. That, why hasn't that been invented it before has. today? On Touch of Modern. There you go. So there you go. Check mm-hmm. it out. A good sponsor of the website uh, in the podcast. So now, Tony, uh, we haven't t- talked to you in a couple weeks. Um, we've been kind of busy, etc. Since the last time we were here, a couple things have happened. Number one, Marcus Lee transferring, mm-hmm. Isaiah Briscoe's coming back. What were your thoughts on those Well, decisions? that was good for Kentucky, bad for everybody else. I think Marcus Lee was probably a push of whether that was going to help you or not, right? I mean, he's a – I mean, it'd be nice to have had him. He's he, You get him for five or six minutes in the game, and you just get his energy off the floor. And, and you know, he, good he kid. bothers people uh, defensively. Uh, yeah, great kid. That's right. The, the loss that you all have is that you have a great kid. He reminds me a lot of Mango to where I don't think he's the best player on the floor. Floor, but he's like a leader off the floor. Mango is your leader? I think so. He was the captain last year. They say he's a great guy. I'm sure he is. So, uh, but Marcus Lee, and then Briscoe, they needed, I think. Agreed. They Agreed. needed more backcourt. He's he's physical. Did you know he has, like, the best percentage uh, at the, finishing at the rim, that stat they do in the Cal era? Uh, no, but I did hear the stat, stat that Oscar sent out that, Lee was the, is the highest shooting percentage in the history of Kentucky basketball. It's interesting. Awesome. He leaves Kentucky as the highest field goal percentage in the history of UK basketball and the worst free throw shooter. That's, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. He, hold, he now holds both of those records, which is really an amazing thing. It really is. It. But yeah. uh, Briscoe comes back. I think he'll add a lot of toughness, uh, which is good. He's a great defender. Got to work on his shot. Uh, but Lee's inside his head, you were thinking – he was going to go from, I'm about to go make some money playing basketball to, nope, it's going to be another two years. I didn't say this on the show today, but I'll say it on the podcast. Cool. A, little, a little nugget. Uh, he texted me this weekend. Uh-huh. I didn't even know he had my number. All but right. he texted me this weekend and said, John Rothstein had reported that Cal, California, not John Calperi, mm-hmm. that uh, Marcus Lee was going to visit there today and was going to commit there today. And he texted me to say that's not true. I mean, I am visiting, but it's not certain I'm going to Well, he knows where to get the information to, Matt Jones. Yeah, I didn't put it out, though, because here's what I'm worried about. I'm worried that, like, he'll actually go there and commit. Right. And then it looks like I just made it up. Like you did something to him you don't know about, and he's just setting you up. (laughs) Exactly. So You're such a trusting person. So, I well, no, I I didn't think he was setting me up, but he may just go there and love it, right? Because he's from right there, and he almost went to school there. 
But he did say to me in the text when we went back and forth, he did say to me that he wanted to uh, that he wanted to come on the show and talk to the fans once he's decided where to go. How many? Because uh, he wanted to say goodbye. I thought that was nice. No, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, look, uh, from all indications, and you should know best uh, that he is an awesome kid. Like Here, he I, is an awesome guy. I want to read. Can I read you the first text he sent me? Let's send it. Yeah. What's up, Matt? Where are you getting all your info about where I'm transferring to? I haven't even told anyone who I'm looking at yet. Crying smiley face, crying smiley face, crying smiley face. But I'll let you know for sure because you're my dude. Oh, he's your dude. Wasn't that nice? Yeah. Yeah, I felt good. I was like, oh, I'm someone's dude. And it, look, and there's weird ways to say that without going, ooh. Like, it's it's awkward. Like, you're my dude. Or there's a, like, you know, <laughs> he did it in a way that wasn't awkward. It was I didn't think it was awkward. You're the one making it awkward by Just bringing saying, it up. Text messages can Marcus move a lot and I are, Marcus and I are, are friends. Of the folks that have been at Kentucky, John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, I mean, we weren't best friends, but we were friendly, right? And now I think EJ Florial and Marcus Lee are kind of like that He with me. falls in that category of not a great overall career player for either school, but has a, a memory in a UofL UK basketball game that will last forever. Like what? when he came in for uh, for an injured Willie That's right. and scored his 10 points and, and 10 rebounds in 10 minutes. And that next game against Michigan, the, ga- the next game they played, he was excellent. That right. was like when he was, that's his best game at Kentucky. But part of the UofL UK lore, he came in and had 10 points, 10 rebounds in 10 minutes. Not everybody, though, thinks about I mean, we don't think about U of L like you all think about us. I was just thinking overall. Uh, Anawaku is going to the draft. Let me ask you, did you think Rick stole Anawaku's moment? Um, with the... With the with yeah, coming out and saying the day of the decision, he's he's going, and Anawaku was like, I haven't said anything yet. Like, like, shouldn't Rick just shut up? He says that about every player. But shouldn't he shut up? Like, sure. Yeah, yeah, I think he should. Uh, look, again, that's his call. It's his player. It, but doesn't he try to steal everybody's moment? Well, <laughs> you know, I'm th- trying to think of somebody else that does that a lot. Um, they, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. You steal Slow every down. moment. That's false. Uh, I set you up to have great you moments. You own every moment. I, mean, I would you, never. You no. set your show up to have moments. Yes, but I also recognize when it's time for other people. So when Shannon won his time slot, I made that his moment. It was true. That's and true. I make I made when you got your new gig, your moment. I feel like Rick wants every single moment to be Rick's. I mean, Rick, I, I fully expected if Oklahoma City had won last night that Rick would show up at the Billy Donovan press conference <laughs> and talk about how he had found Billy Donovan. He has that talent. I will say this. When uh, Kitely died, remember that? Yeah, he made he about went, him. He went to the funeral, and I was like, I was like, am I the only one that's noticing this? He, when he started to talk, he was like, remember, I'm the one that brought him from the end of the bench yeah. to sitting next that's to him. That's what he always does. He was, I mean, that was right. actually, that's a great example, because that was a very nice speech he gave at Kitely's thing. Yeah. But I remember. And Were I, you there? No, no, no. I, it was it was at Rub. I, I was I think I was gone when it happened. But I remember that he led and finished about stuff about himself. Right, right. Yes, because like, and the stuff in the middle was very nice. But he led and finished about like, look at me, I'm Rick Pitino. Do a lot of huge personalities do that though? I mean, I think they I, look. Cal makes things about Cal. Okay, fine. I may make things about. But there are some people. Who take it to another level, <laughs> like, and I think I mean we'll never have a human being that does it more than Trump, right? But yeah. I would say Rick is Kentucky's Trump when it comes to making everything about Rick. 
Uh, he did today in the press conference, and again, this is going to run all week, but or at least a couple of days, where he he hearkened back to the '96 team, the 20 year. Yeah, and I like that. He's yeah. like, this will be like the '90s. He and then that's the other thing he does is hyperbole. Oh yeah, it's over the. It's always it's over always the over top. the top. Mike Mar is the best shooter I've ever seen. I know everyone uses that example, but there are like a hundred more. Examples. Oh yeah, Jared Prickett is the new Larry Bird. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, Jared Swapshire will be a, an NBA player. I guarantee it. Yes. Um, but he he and here's it's twofold. I think it, everyone cringes. UK guy cringes because you're like, don't ever – that's the greatest team ever. <laughs> yes, exactly. You, you can't compare another team to it. And then L fans are like, well, man, come on. Why does he – do you do L people get like, why does he always have to compare us to UK? Uh, he doesn't do it as much as he did in the first five or ten years of yeah. his tenure. The first five or ten years, it was my 96 team, my 93 team. My, he always compared every Louisville team to Kentucky. And I think it was just because – uh, he did a lot, and he stopped doing it because you all replaced him. Like, you all got remarried to Calipari. We did, yes. And the, for 10 it's years, you all dated for a couple of times. We're dating you, the, the sort of – like, it's not like we're dating the younger, hotter version. We're dating the same age but in better no, shape and doing no, more it, things. No, it doesn't matter. You all are happy with that person. Oh, we are happy. Okay, That's see, right. you weren't happy Fair with point. the drunk guy, and you weren't happy with Tubby. Well, with Tubby, it was a nice marriage, but it wasn't wild. But it wasn't Rick, and he knew it. Like, and he knew. Billy was Billy – was was like we got the twenty-three-year-old hot girl, but then at all the parties she embarrassed. Yes, us. so like she puked on our boss. But he could sit there knowing she hadn't replaced me yet. What's up? And then when Cal got there, he's like, "Oh man, that's they're, an interesting suggestion happy. as to who who these happy. coaches all were." And I like the idea of Billy being the twenty-three-year-old yoga instructor who pukes on your boss. That you thought was going to be awesome when yes. you started to date them, but the second you got in that relationship, you're like, in the same way when, oh when we gosh. heard that Billy like wasn't married and like was all into basketball, we were like, that's awesome, that's great, and then we realized it's because he can't interact with humans, right? And the loss to like, uh, give me one of the worst losses under him, the, uh, uh, Gardner the web. Webb. Gardner Webb is like if she farted in front of your friends the first time you all met and you went, oh my gosh, why and would then she you do like that? you send her to manor school, why would you do that, right? right. You send yes. her to manor school, and then the next time you see her, she says the f word in front of your mom. <laughs> right. But that was VMI, which, right? Which was the, his relationship with Barnhart. It was just like, why would you say that in front of my mother? Yeah, it's my mother. What are you doing? What did you, what, did you have to puke in the American pool right. Yes. right when Joe yes. Kraft was there? Was yes. that, no, he wasn't. But, but you're, that's a very good uh, analogy. But did you didn't think he stole his thunder at all? Oh, well. You know, I, again, I think that part of that was that there was a separation that they were not communicating for a month. Uh, and he was just throwing But doesn't it out that there. tell you something? No, because he's he's in he's he's been in connected connection with a lot of the players he's had. It's this one just a case where that kid was leaning on his big brother that's in the NBA or wherever he is. Uh, Anawaku's brothers in the NBA. Uh, he played at Syracuse and I don't know where he is, but Ooh. he plays professional basketball somewhere. I liked Anawaku because he looked like. A seventies like black ploitation. I loved it. Movie. Yes, like, he looked like he could be in yes. shaft with the mohawk and the pork chops. And then though he was good with shooting underhanded free throws. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was going to be the discussion of we're going to hang that up, right? Because it was not the improvement you thought. If you shoot eighty, it's got to be at least. Only, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do that, you need to like double your free throw. No question. And you, if you're shooting eighty percent at that. And and the other way you're shooting fifty or sixty, you go. Have okay. you ever seen Drew's little GIF he made of of that with no. Kevin Hart? No, I think it was like the most retweeted tweet he ever sent. Right, it was like from the Louisville game, and you, you should look it up sometime. It's actually uh, you mean the Kentucky game, yeah? 
Oh no, the Louisville UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look, no, it's okay. the, it's it's it, we, we are the base. I'm not going to argue. Um, all right, so now I, I don't give a I don't care about college baseball, but I did notice something interesting. So Louisville's the number two seed in the College World Series, mm-hmm. or not the World Series, but the tournament. Mm-hmm. Kentucky didn't make it after a really good start. Ended up not making the tournament. And a lot of Kentucky fans want to fire the baseball coach, et cetera. And it leads to this argument that I always hear about, well, Louisville fans always say, well, Kentucky's a one-sport school, which isn't true. But Louisville has had – what's weird is Louisville seems to have more success at these other sports than Kentucky, but Kentucky always beats Louisville when they play head-to-head in most of the sports. It's really weird. It's really weird. Women's basketball. Women's basketball, for instance. Louisville's done better. Mm -hmm. Like they went to the Final Four – but Kentucky beats them every year. Like four or five years in a row, yeah. And then, like, softball, same thing. Kentucky beats them. I think we lo- we've we lost in baseball the last few times. No, it is. It's a pattern. The NCAA tournament this year in golf, Kentucky just – it just ended. Kentucky came in 13th, Louisville came in 14th. Like, right. it's like – but it surprises me how good both schools are mm-hmm. at every sport. But really, I'll be honest, it surprised me how good Louisville is. Like, they, I, you have to give Jurich credit that he has gotten to the point that at a school like Louisville, that they're good, not at everything, but at most things. Uh, it's a formula, that's for sure. He hires people that are a lot like him, that are so driven driven to win. Yeah. And, 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 and you think Barnhart hires people like him that's probably that are accurate. very competent but well-rounded? Um, you know, I, I, I would not say that the other coaches aren't well-rounded, like Jeff Walls and, and Ken yeah, Lola. Jeff Walls is insane. Yeah, and, and McConnell's a, the baseball coach is a jerk. I mean, like your coaches are all jerks. It's okay though. I mean, they're they're successful, but you all have a murderer's row of jerks. Well, if you look up, <laughs> if you look up the top ten coaches in any sport oh, you of are. all time, you you pick me out the nice guys. How many out of the top ten NFL well, coaches a, of no, all no, time? No, are I would nice disagree guys. with that. There's a difference between being driven and being a jerk. So, like, like for instance, I don't think Cal's a jerk. But he's very successful. I don't know that Rick is a jerk. He can be a jerk, but I don't. I mean, I, I, there's a, like you guys don't have a specific personality type. You guys have modern day Bobby Knights at all your at, at football, at baseball. I think that's too strong. I, Bobby Knight was insane. Okay, he I was fine. Your modern day. He was choking players. Your modern day whatever. I mean, is there a, who's a college basketball coach known well, as a jerk? Okay, is there one that's like sticks out? Okay, as a jerk? but Nick Saban, jerk. Urban Meyer, fair jerk. point. Fair point. All right, you guys. Let's use my uh, Saban. You guys kind of have the uh, the Nick. Sa- Although I don't know if Nick Saban's a jerk. I like. I, okay, Coach K is he a jerk? I think Nick Saban and Coach K are similar. I think they have jerky qualities, but it's more competence than jerkiness. I'm trying to think of a dude that's very successful that's just a jerk. There's got to be one in. You're uh, searching here, though. I mean, well, I think you all have them all. Well, I, I, you I know Jeff Walls is a jerk. No, I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that. Yes, I don't know that. Yes. In in some in what way? Give me one way. example. Well, be in the fact that no other coaches like him. I, I don't know that. I, you are more in connection with that, but I do not know that that he that he is unliked. By you him. have not. You have heard. Well, okay, Bobby Petrino is a jerk. Uh, he, I think he's. Uh, tell you the truth, and this is. I'm not just saying this. He, he may have changed guy. a little bit. He has changed a lot. Okay, and that may be true, but he. Wa- when they hired him, they didn't know that. No, okay, I'll give you that. But uh, I've been around him for the last six months. My point is, this is guy, not meant to criticize. I'm not trying to criticize any of these people individually. I'm just saying they hire a certain personality type. And that personality type works, don't get me wrong. But I don't think he could do that anywhere else. You guys just seem to like folks like Well, that. again, if, if you get into coaching 
if you are a coach and you have to deal with these parents and handlers and AAU coaching and all these, and it is so much that you, if you're not a jerk, then you're going to get run over. I don't believe that either. I, I mean, Cal's not a jerk. Um, but he's been on those a lot of – lately he's, he's come around to a lot of people, but how many lists has he been on where it's most disliked lists? But I think they dislike him for different reasons. They dislike him. So he's a jerk for different reasons. No, no, I don't think he's a jerk. I think people – I don't think other coaches hate Cal. I mean, there are individual ones that do, but I don't think like he's hated in the coaching community. I think it's like media and fans don't like him because they think he's sleazy. I mean, that's always been the issue with Cal. It's that people just think he's a sleazeball. Uh, but yeah, but why is he always on these Yahoo lists of most disliked coaches by other coaches deals? Why are they always on those well, lists? Well, I didn't know. Is he on one that coaches vote on? Yeah. Okay, well, I haven't seen that. You may be right about um, that. Right, know. right. Again, and I could care less if the other coaches like your coach. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I don't whatever. Either. I mean, I don't is he winning? You know why do they you hate think, him? Though, do you think, like, like on the U.K. baseball thing, do you think you should fire a coach at Kentucky or Louisville based on what's happening at the other school? So, like, Kentucky's never been good at baseball, okay? Then we had the coach before this one. He had a little bit of success, mm-hmm. and he went to Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Now, this one is doing about like we've always done historically, maybe even a little bit better. But there's the, a lot of people going, well, if they can win at Louisville, why can't we win here? And they want. It. Do you think that that should be the basis comparing it to the other? School? It certainly drives it, and it happens at every rivalry school, right? Well, watch out. Are you all right? Mm-hmm. Oh, good hands. He caught the electronic thing while <laughs> drinking some water. That's very nice. Have, now, what am I? What's the protocol if I'm supposed to get somebody else to do mouth to mouth? You're good. We're and good. I'm not, so go ahead. Not Just, doing that. Uh, here's the thing. What's happened at Louisville? I look. This is not bragging. This is historic. Oh, it is. You're talking three. World Series in the last eight years. The Big Ten has sent one team in 20 years to the World Series. What you, You're going to try to steal that. But baseball's a sport you can do. It. Holy cow. Okay. But, and you know what? In the SEC, yeah. I mean, well, but I mean, in baseball, like a team like, like Stony Brook made the College World Series a couple years ago. Like, it can it can happen. I, but, don't, I don't think you all are really willing to spend the well, money I think that's the issue on coaching. Because well, we are. batting coach makes more than most other ACC coaches do. Well, we are willing to spend it. We just want to spend it on basketball. Right, sure. And football. And, we, and yeah. we're now spending it on uh, football. Let me – football for a second. You, the, the, Kentucky, these new coaches, everybody's got a, a shine. But a lot of fans, a lot of fans are sort of doing the I don't care until they win. Like, their, their season tickets, Tony, mm-hmm. are going to be way down. Like, it's not being talked about because it's embarrassing. But they're going to have to say at some point, what's they are what's way it? down. Okay. So, do you think, how does Stoops, I think the program structurally is in fine shape. But how do you win the fans back? Well, you can do it really quickly. If you, if you are Because, listen, you were close last year. But how do you do it? Don't you, you ha- he's going to have to win, like, a big game. I, and I think he okay, and I but think, who is that? Like he can't beat South Carolina again. They've beaten him twice. Like he's going to have to go beat. Like look at the schedule. Beating Southern Miss to start won't do it. The second game's at Florida. Now if he won that game, that would do it. But what are the huge. chances of that? Uh, it's thirty uh, percent. Yeah, and then they play somebody crappy. Like. And then they go to Alabama. Like, yeah. what's going to be the game that they can win? Yeah. That- well, you're going to have to build momentum in the second half of the of the season like Louisville did last year. You're going to have to build momentum in the second half of the season, and you can do that. But we have two games that we have no chance of winning, at Alabama and at Tennessee. We have no chance of winning those games. 
Right. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So then we play at Louisville. We play Georgia at home, Mississippi State at home, at Florida. You can beat Georgia. I can think you can beat Georgia. I, I think, think Mississippi State's one. better than Georgia. But Mississippi State's easier to beat than Georgia this year. Mississippi State lost all those players. Win either one of those games. It's not off the table. So do you think that's the it. one that can get fans back? Both on? of them. Go win them both. Okay. you got to set the bar and go win them. What about beating Louisville? I think that's going to be a tough one. But if they could. Yeah, yeah, because it's a rivalry game. All right, but let's say they beat Vandy. South. Ca- All right, let's say they beat Vandy, South Carolina, Missouri, and win six. Do you think the fans are back? Yes. I do too. Hey, you got to go to a bowl game. Go to a bowl game, and I think they'll travel and have fun. You should never lose to Vandy. After I went to a Vandy game and I saw <laughs> how they don't try, they're not trying. We lost to them last year. Did you see that? I'm there in the game and they have the jumbo screen. Now at Kentucky, the the pregame is like an inspirational video, right? Yeah. UofL's got the inspirational video with music and there's opera music and it's like ah rock and roll. And Vandy, here comes. Ba-doop. It's a it's the guy in a medical jacket. It's the head of the no, medical department. It was not the head he of the was, medical. The school. medical department goes, "Hey, come Hey, come on, fans. Here's what's going on at the school." And he does this this is the warm-up video. Is what's going on at the medical school at Vandy. And I turned to whoever was there and I said, Kentucky should never lose to the school. They don't try. They play in a stadium that's worse than Old Cardinal Stadium, which is nothing worse than that. Yeah. Everything you're saying is right, but then they went and lost. I know, I know, I know, and you've all had it. We gave away a truck on that game. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, they should have they won, but they didn't. What, what was your take on the gorilla? Um, accidents happen, and, um, and there's nobody at fault here. I agree with you. Y- you're a parent. Mm-hmm. These sort of uh, these sort of rock star people who say that they would have jumped in after their kids. What would you have done that? Oh, easily. Yes, I would have. Yeah, you don't that 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 it's I, I don't your child that. absolutely. You, but, you but, would not hesitate. But, but you but would I mean, crawl over barbed wire. But you wouldn't have helped. That's not the point. If you can give your kid five seconds to survive, you would do it. But you wouldn't help. Like it's, there's a very good chance that you jumping would have made it worse. It doesn't matter if you're a parent. Well, it does matter if you you don't want to make it worse. No, if you're a parent, you're going in there because you're not going to think, dude. You would do the same thing, Matt. Well, you say that, but these people didn't, and that ended up being the right decision. It was, but I'm telling you, if it was me and John was in that water, no way, I jump in, I get killed, but and maybe get him killed. That's the point of this: is that the gorilla. This is the thing. I mean, you Oof. shake your head, but the, this is what this is what the zoo people are saying. The gorilla, the best situation was the gorilla was fine until it started to get agitated. The noise from the crowd apparently right. made it agitated. Okay. If you jump down there, first of all, what are you going to do? I mean, let's, the, let's play it out. Let's play it out. I want to play it out. I want to play it out. Okay. The kid is there. Yes. Gorilla has your kid by the hand. Or yes. What, it, what are you going to do? I think there is a. I think there isn't there a posture where you go down and you have your head down, and then you have your palm down and up, and you show them that you are you're you're there. Okay, but you're respect. saying all this like you again when you're jumping over into the thing. Mm-hmm. Again, I want to play this out. Right like when you're jumping into the thing, Tony Vanetti. Yeah, you're doing that on sheer like energy. Like you're not thinking. No. Okay, so so let's play this out. Mm-hmm. 
you're telling me that you're going to be so out of control that you jump down there. But then you're going to think, okay, the way to walk up to the gorilla is to walk. Like, no, you're going to hit the thing, aren't you? No. No, 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 no. Well, what are you going to do? No, can I tell you my gorilla story? No, no, before you get the gorilla story, okay. I want to know what you're going to do. First of all, I would have to stop my wife from going because okay. she's mean as a snake. <laughs> And I love her dearly, but she, I married her because she's mean as a snake. She would hit the girl. She would, she, I would first, you know why I wouldn't be in the pen? Well, because I would be preventing her from climbing over barbed wire. You're still not there. answering to me what you would do. That's not life. Life you just go and do. Okay, so then what, so, so you're in it. I'm in my posture. I miss, I'm showing him like this. This is in all the movies. This is all the movies. What? By the way, for people, he's down on his knees. He has a paw out. Okay, it's almost like a Tebow thing, but I have my head down. You realize though that once you get down there, yes. there's not gonna like. What are you? Are you gonna hit it? What are you gonna do? Stand around and watch some gorilla with your I four-year-old? Well, that's what they did. And it worked. I know, I know, I know. But at that point, you're. I'm not trusting zoo guy. But you're gonna trust you? You have no talent, dude. I'm. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. I mean, I would trust zoo guy over I you. Know, I know. I'm just saying to you, everyone who says to me, and believe me. Bomani Jones tweeted out when this happened that his favorite thing is watching the people who think they can fight a gorilla, right? And he was oh, laughing about it. Yeah, yeah, no. And I tweeted out, and I was like, yeah, all these people say they'd do it. No way. You'd lose. You'd lose. I'm not even sure, though, in their minds what they think they would do. Okay, it's one thing if your baby was sitting over here and the gorilla hadn't found it yet. Maybe you think, I'll go get it before the gorilla fights. I get it. But in this case, the gorilla had the child. Mm-hmm, yeah. So what do you think you would have done? I, to tell you the truth, I would probably look and see what the zookeepers are doing. And if I think they're screwing it up, if I think they're not doing this thing right, if you got to make what a would call, you base that on? You, you're like, wait a minute, why you? aren't you doing something? Like, what, what, okay. What's the plan? I'm fine with What's that. the time frame? But again, you said. And this is what a lot of people have said to me. Yes. They would immediately jump in. Yes. And so I'm saying to you again, I think that would, what would you do? You, that's not the point, though. <laughs> you not control, you're not under control. So, so at what moment when you got there would you realize that you don't have I've a plan? I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> I've made a huge what mistake, and I hope I happen? don't lie. The point where he would come over, pick me off the ground, and slam me back down and probably kill me at that point. And then probably, unfortunately, kill your child. And my son would pro- would grow up without a, without a father. Yeah. But at that point, <laughs> you're not thinking straight. It's your child. You'll do anything. I understand. And I'm just saying to you, that I think there are fewer. I think most people would be smarter than that. I think that, and well, those parents were. I mean, those parents stood and said, "Okay, we've got to figure this out." At, at, at some point, when you saw him and he's not hurting the child, you would you would go, "Okay, I'm not going in there. Let's figure this thing out." Um, I, I I have a, a gorilla story. Okay, what is your? I did story? a news story for HAS, and okay. it, and I'm there at five in the morning. And this is where they're most active. Okay, are they big at five in the morning? They're at five in the morning. This is where they're active. They're okay. they're eating and they're doing something else. Um, if you know I, I what I mean. Guess. So there is a female gorilla, You're like premarital sex, right? <laughs> okay, she is. There was a female gorilla right next to the glass. I have. I'm in my suit, whatever. I'm waiting to do a live. Don't shot. try to act like the gorilla was in. So I'm never act like it. Yeah, well, of course yeah, she was. You think the gorilla was in? Listen. On uh, on my dead father's grave, this is a true story. The, the gorilla's sitting next to me, and she's she's checking it out. She's, <laughs> she's checking it out, and I'm going. I'm like I'm like, dude, that gorilla's kind of checking me out. And I'm like, and she's right next to the glass. I'm on the other side of the glass. The silverback sees what's going on and walks over, picks up the rump 
of the female gorilla and starts to do his thing. Yeah, right? He's, he's uh, taking his territory. Most animals won't look you in the eye. This silverback didn't take his eyes off my eyeballs and did his business. This is really creepy. Please don't do that. I'm eyeballing. I'm an example of what he did. I, I, I don't need this. Okay, this are you seeing this Please with my hips back. moving like this? Please. This I'll is... move back one foot. Here we go. Okay? This is how uncomfortable it was. Can I periscope this? Uh, do not periscope this. So he did his business while direct eye contact with me like, what's up? Yeah. What are you doing? So that he finished, and another female came over. He he got into a fight with her. And this is why I know these. You don't know gorillas. He took this gorilla with one hand and threw her in the air. And she had to be about a 200-pound gorilla, I guess. Maybe even more. I don't know. But she, uh, you know, you're not supposed to talk about a woman's weight. But he throws her <laughs> in, the, in the air, dude. In the air. And she's flying like she is like a like this is a doll. So what and then takes a chomp out of her foot. Ooh. So what part of this makes you think that you jumping in would have been a good idea? Because I am. There's a little bit when I'm sh- my shirt is off. I look like Tarzan. Have you ever been in a fight? Yeah. How? When's the last time you've been in a fight? Long time. And did you win? No. Okay. So again, we're now <laughs> 0 for one in fighting. No, I'm 0 for a lot. I, and you, I mean, I just a lot of people in hindsight. We talked about this a lot on the show this morning. But a lot of people believe that you know they, they'd have done this or that. Here's what I think I would have done. Now, granted, everybody okay. can say you don't have a kid, but I, right. I don't get that. Like, it, why is it the case that my opinion's not valid because I don't have a kid? Like, we don't say, like, people get angry when, like, a, a, an African American says, you're not black, you don't understand. Or you're not a woman, you don't understand. Or you're not gay, you don't understand. Or you're not from the mountains. You, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, sure. Like, people get, like, if that was the case, mm-hmm. then we couldn't have an opinion about anything. No, I'm with that. No, okay, no, no. So, so I don't have a kid, but. I would assume this, and I wish people assumed this more often. I don't know everything. And too often... Please record this. This is recording, right? (laughs) Can I have this soundbite? Matt Jones, I don't know everything. But, I mean, especially in an area where there are people with expertise. Right. Right? Like, for instance, I think it's always funny to me when people are running for office how these candidates try to act like they're experts on everything. Mm -hmm. No, you're not. Like, what would be wrong with a candidate going, you know what? I'm not sure about that. I'll have to look into it. Yes. Like, what's wrong with that? That, That's, yeah, the kiss of death. But it shouldn't be. I'm with you. It should be like, okay... I'd like to have someone who would go look into things before they had a concrete So opinion. what is the Matt Jones procedure? So here's what I would do. My kid's down there. I would immediately try to... I would not want to leave the kid out of my sight. Right? Mm-hmm. So I would ask someone, please go find whatever. Right. Right? And then I would try to comfort my kid. Okay? Right. And then I would sort of be like you. I would want to see someone working on it. Yes. If I thought that, like, the the gorilla had left it alone, like it had gone to another side, then maybe I would look and go, Coax the child out. Is there an escape route? Like, whatever. But I'm fairly confident I ain't jumping down there because I would know I'm not going to help. I wish more people thought like that. Well, you could, you, and you probably would have. And you know what? And I'm thinking, you could say, son, if the gorilla goes away from you, you go, get out of the water. Get out of the water, crawl, because he's four, he'll understand that instruction, whatever his name is. You need to get out of the water. But on the other side of that argument, mm-hmm. as you said, I, was, uh, I lost the last fight. The reason you, look, there are four of them, two of us, 
and I'm ready to run out the back door. And my buddy grabs my hand and says, no, 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 no. You don't win them all. Let's go. Yeah, you you got to go in there because you don't, you don't win them all, dude, but you got to stand there but and see, go. See, I would think, like, the part of it that would not have is I would think me going down there will endanger my child. It won't help. Right, that's it true. It won't help my yes. child. It will endanger. And here's yes. the other thing that people forget. Let's say you jump down there and grab it. Where are you going? You're not going anywhere. You can't get out. Yeah. I mean, where are you going? You're I stuck. Know. I and know. And so, so, so back to the situation. Let's say you go grab your kid. The bottom line is you will not be safe until they shoot that thing anyway. So you going down there can only hurt. Uh, it would probably, um, you would have to probably, f- the, the people that are working there also would probably try to prevent you from going in there anyway. I would hope so. Yeah. And then again, you're going to have to, I don't know how the parents did not. I mean, they, they showed ju- a good judgment and you know what? Do you blame the mother? No, not at all. No, a lot no, of no, people no. do. No, and they are whatever. Get over yourself for a, for a half a second. Parents. I know exactly where my child is all the time. Really? <laughs> all the time. Uh, well, maybe your child is very disciplined, is always by your side. I have two kids that have minds of their own, dude, and they are like, guess what I'm doing right now? And they're going to go do it. And you and you whoop them afterwards, but you got to say, look. You whoop them? I whoop them, dog. Are you, are you a spanker? I don't, not anymore, because they, I, I'm not strong enough to, they laugh at me. Yeah. If I my, my parent, my grandmother spanked. But there came a, a time yeah. where it was kind of became funny. funny. That's what happened to me. <laughs> like I couldn't, couldn't hurt do John Trump anymore. Yeah. So he went, Dad, you're kind of, you're embarrassing yourself. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, what? And he goes, it's it, like that skit with Tracy Morgan and Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Do you remember that on Saturday Night yeah. Live? Yeah. Where Shaq was his son and yeah. he came in and yeah. he tried to spank even Shaq was, was like, like, yes, yes. yes. You get to that point. You do get to that so point. So now you just take stuff from him. Like, but you're not uh, against spank. No, heck no. Mm-mm. No. It seems a little barbaric, though, right? Like hitting a kid for to like teach spank him a lesson. Spike on the bottom. Nope. I mean, I'm not saying. Look, I'm not taking a position. I'm just saying to you, like, like when you're out in public and you see a parent hit a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't doesn't that look bad? I don't do that in public. I don't okay, do it in public. <laughs> what difference does that make? It, because I think it is. But you know, when you see someone do that, yes, you know how it makes you feel. Yes. So what makes you think that's good for you to do? Uh, because I'll give you an example, real quick. When your five-year-old or six-year-old is standing in the hallway and you are in your room and you hear the words that come out of her mouth or his mouth that disrespect the mother and the wife and you are like, I can't. You you are you will not those words will never yeah, but I don't hit so people. I snatch there is it's all one word and all you hear is the boom 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 here comes dad snatch whack on the on okay the but wrong. see isn't that again I'm, I'm not saying I'm right because this is one where I haven't had a kid but aren't you by doing that teaching your no. kid, let me finish teaching your kid that the way to react to something new is violent nope because <laughs> I well no no yes you are understand that they have to have a message that. That if you ever speak to your okay. mother like that again. But the message you're sending is, if someone says something awful, hit them. Um, no, because they're smarter than that. They're not Dobermans, dude. They're, they're human beings. They know that. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, stop. Yes. Stop for a second. You say they're smarter than that. Studies have shown forever that kids that were beaten grow no, no, up no, to no. beat. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not saying you're beating. But the reason. Right. Wait, Spanking wait, is okay, different. Let me, let me finish. The reason that a kid who beats someone. Mm-hmm. Or a kid who's beaten is more likely to, to beat someone is because it becomes normal for them. 
I'm not saying to you that you're beating, but I'm saying spanking, which is not the same as beating. I right. grant you that. Yes. At that point, to your kid, hitting someone has become normal. No, because you're you know, you're thinking it happens all the time. No, no, but even four if it times once, in twelve years. Even if it happens once, four times in twelve. You're years. saying when I get really mad. No, no, no. When you step co- out of line. Okay, fine. When you've because people are going to step out of line to your kid at some point. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And you've said to your kid, when I get when you get out of line, the reaction that your parent believes is correct is to hit you. Isn't that saying to the kid in life, when you're dating someone and your girlfriend is disrespected, hit them? No, 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 no. I don't no, know. That's why, not. Well, how's it not? Because you have a conversation after. About how you shouldn't have hit them? No. <laughs> God, please get married and have a child. Please. You know what? Tonight at dinner, at the Venetti dinner, and my wife is a stickler at it, we pray at every meal. And we are going to pray tonight. And every night in 2016, that the Lord shall find it in his heart and find that woman somewhere, whether she lives on the other side of the planet, to find her way to Matt Jones's empty, tiny heart and to fill it with joy and love with a partnership. And then at that moment, to give them the gift of life and that child to come forward and be little Matt Jones. And I cannot wait for that day. Please, Lord, please. Tony Vanetti, thank you very much. You're welcome. Hey, I want to take a minute to tell you that about Bonobos.com. Look, I hate shopping for clothes. If you've uh, seen my wardrobe, you know that. But Bonobos is a way that I actually don't mind it so much. They have clothes for any body type, fit, and they also have really nice stuff. Pants, jeans, jackets, outerwear, suits. Suits that actually look really good. Shirts for the office or the weekend, everything. So go to B-O-N-O-B-O-S.com. That's Bonobos.com. You can try clothes from one of their 20-plus guide shops, and it's great, stylish men's clothing. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. 20% off if you use the promo code Matt Jones. 20% off Matt Jones at B-O-N-O-B-O-S.com. B-O-N-O-B-O-S.com. Bonobos. Promo code Matt Jones. Look good and wear clothes that feel good and that actually make you look, you know, like a respectable human being. All right. Now we are happy to be joined on the podcast by, you know, it's NBA time. We'll get an expert on here, Matt Moore from cbssports.com he's their nba writer and a great twitter follow hp basketball at hp basketball matt how are you doing well man how are you i'm doing great now you you need to tell everybody like you're sort of like me in the sense that you came from the blogging world you created the site that hardwood what's the name of it uh paroxysm paroxysm you created that am i correct yeah sure did way back in 2007 yeah that was well, we, we were a little bit before that, but that was sort of in the early blogging days. Did you ever think that that would become your career when you did it? No. You know, I, I started it mostly as just um, I was getting married, and my wife said I needed a hobby, so I stopped going to the bars all the time. So I thought, well, I'll start a sports blog. And then it just turned out I was pretty good at it, and I had a lot of people help me along the way. And, you know, pretty soon I realized that I was better at this than I was at almost anything else I was doing. and wanted to try and make it a career and was hopeful and got some opportunities and I felt very grateful for the opportunity to do it. It's a pretty good gig if you can get it. That was the time like to be doing it. I mean, I don't know if this happens to you, but I get asked all the time, like Matt, how can I sort of get started in the blogging, et cetera? And I'm not going to say you can't, but it's a lot harder now. Don't you agree? 
I think so. I think social media has had a big impact yes. on it. I think the way that the bigger that the bigger sites have absorbed a lot of those strategies have made it tougher. Um, but I also think that to a degree, there has been kind of a social media has diluted a lot of the analysis where you go on Twitter and you write about kind of what you think of the game or you make jokes or you go on little spurts of whatever. And, and instead of, you know, sitting down and writing something or finding something interesting to kind of discuss, that's what you do. And I think that there's still an opportunity there. If people were to, you know, really commit themselves. I still, I still believe in blogging is kind of a medium. Um, at least for being able to provide something, because people will read almost anything. That's, that's what we learn more than anything with blogging, is people will want or consume this kind of stuff. And in doing so, I think there's still an opportunity, but you have to really stick with it and bring something new to the table. Totally agree with that. It is, you can't sort of half-ass it. I actually find it's harder to find people now who are young, because we're always trying to get college students involved, that are really good writers because they're so used to doing social media. And the idea of sitting down and writing like a long, thought-out post, it just doesn't seem to happen as much. I know that sounds like old man talking, but I do kind of feel that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all become 140 characters, and I'm as big on Twitter as anybody, but you know, I do think that if you're, you know, if you're, if you're at work or you're at your job, and there's more more ways to consume now, you know, too, with mobile. So, you know, I still think there's people that are, are looking for stuff to be able to consume during the day. I think more than ever, part of it is you need to have that visual element. You need to have an eye for, you know, the fact that they, it needs to be consumable uh, yes. in terms of length and, and stuff like that. So I think that that influences it to a degree. Um, but... Overall, I still think there's kind of an opportunity there, but I do think that social media has really impacted the way that we consume things in these kind of short bursts. All right, Matt Moore from CBS Sports. Let's talk a little NBA. Of course, the game last night was one of the, I think it was the highest rated cable NBA game ever, only beaten by two uh, college basketball games, actually. And it was a good game, but the but the Thunder sort of collapsed in the third quarter I was of the opinion, Matt, that the Thunder were better, but that they were prone to do stupid things, and then you can't really game plan for Clay and Steph when they get hot. What's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of it, a lot of it was that the Thunder kind of kept the rope for a long time there defensively, but eventually, you know, if you're, if you're playing so hard and you're doing so many things right and you're so locked in defensively, and yet they just keep hitting shots, it's going to kind of break you eventually and you're going to slip into some bad habits. And that's what I saw with the Thunder where, you know, they, they, they stuck with it for so long. And then eventually when they were just hitting all of the absurd shots, which is all, a huge part of what they do and that they're capable of, the Thunder kind of lost their focus. And once you do that, then you start giving up, you know, Leandro Barbosa buckets and, and Aaron Anderson Barrage out uh, layups and, and things like that. And, and it becomes kind of this avalanche effect where it just starts rolling downhill for the Warriors. You have to be so focused and not get bothered really by the kind of shots that they hit. And that's very difficult when you feel your lead dissipating, when you know the urgency, when you're trying to press even harder I think that makes it very difficult for them to to kind of recover it, and that's kind of what I saw from the Thunder in that third quarter. I agree with you. They also, but they they lost the series in game six, right? I mean, they were up eight or ten the entire game, couldn't extend it to a a bigger margin, and then in the last five minutes, like, went away from everything that got them there. Why do you think game six happened the way it did? Um, I think... Again, I think we saw kind of the same thing where 
it's so hard for the Thunder to kind of maintain the level of focus that they needed to. And when Thompson is knocking down all those, but why does it affect their offense? Like I I agree with you on defense, but in that, in that game six, they went five minutes. I think they scored four points or five points. Like it shouldn't affect the other end. Yeah. It was 19. Well, it does though, because what ends up happening is with Westbrook, you know, everyone kind of points to Westbrook and, and Russ definitely does this a lot, but what winds up happening is, uh, you know, they start wanting to match them. They start wanting to counter. They start wanting to hit a big shot in response. And when you do that, then you're really in trouble with the Warriors. And, and so I think Russ pressed it. And he, I honestly think KD more than more than that, though. Yeah. I think Durant really pressed it and was trying so hard to kind of take over the moment. And that really hurt them, I, I thought, that, that they needed to be more patient. You know, Durant had spoken about at shoot-around how he, he was always going to trust his guys and, uh, how he was going to believe in them, and instead, you know, he really was just kind of forcing it. And if Durant's not hitting shots, you know, if Clay's going to have that kind of a performance, and Durant's going to have that kind of a performance, you're going to lose. They lost composure, but I also look at it from the, the big picture perspective of they've done so much to kind of uh, to have gotten themselves in that position. It's hard to do that consistently, and I think that really cost them towards the end as well. All right, so Durant. Now, besides, he had that seven zero run last night that got it down from 11 to 4. But besides that, down the stretch in all these games he wasn't great. And then I go back even years ago when they played LeBron in the in the Cavs series that year, he had the same thing. I hate when people do the sort of hot takes of are they clutch and all that nonsense. But is it worth noting maybe with Durant that he hasn't showcased an ability necessarily to do what he needs to at the end of games? You gotta have kind of, I think the more, I don't think it's necessarily the end of games. He, he hasn't ever had a marquee game in a playoff environment at a top level where you just went, they won that game because of Kevin Durant. Yeah. That I think is a bigger problem for them that, you know, you wind up looking at it as, um, as he played well, he was efficient, he did a lot, and he did all those things, and he had efficient games in this series, and he played the best defense of anybody in the series, including Draymond Green. You know, he played the best of really anybody, I think, overall, with, you know, maybe Westbrook during times, but if you're not going to be able to deliver those shots, that's what you get paid to do. More than anything, like, you get paid to hit shots. That's why you're Kevin Durant, and without that, I think that they really struggle, and, and he needs to have that kind of a moment in his career. Otherwise, he's going to be kind of left wanting. They needed that from him, especially in Game 7. They needed him to just come out and say, you know what, to heck with Steph Curry, I am the best player, I'm going to win this game now. We are winning this game right now. Yeah. I, I, I like Billy Donovan. I mean, I I know he he coached Kentucky's rival for many years, but I've always liked him, and, I always, and, and I'm a big fan of, of 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 a lot of the NBA writers. It seems like all of you guys are friends, and I would listen to Bill Simmons' podcast, and he'd have all these people on, and the consistent thing all year was to mock Billy as a coach. I think a lot of that was just because he's a college guy, and there's just this notion that with the exception of Brad Stevens, no college guy is good enough in the eyes of NBA writers. But do you think that was a mistake? Clearly, he had a great playoffs. Do you think it was a mistake all along? Do you think he got better? What's your take on Billy Donovan? I think we learned some stuff in this series. I think that the, the playoffs taught us a lot, kind of about coaching, because there were, there were huge question marks throughout the year with Donovan. And the nice thing was that if you talk to Donovan, he said the same thing. He admitted throughout the entire playoffs, I'm learning. I'm in the process of figuring this out. There's still a lot that I don't know and that I don't get. And 
his openness and willingness to talk about that, I thought was really refreshing to be able to say, you know what? Like there are times when I make mistakes. He, he deployed a lineup versus the Spurs in game two. Um, that was, or in, in game three rather, that was just a disaster. It was a small ball lineup with Durant at the four, Canner at the five, didn't have shooting. Cameron Payne was out there and it was just a nightmare. And he admitted that was a mistake. Like we just can't do that. We cannot go small against the, against the San Antonio team. But he's always willing to kind of learn and adapt from his mistakes. So I think that some of the criticism throughout the year was appropriate because he did seem to struggle with, you know, defensive approach and how to kind of coach pick and roll defense at the NBA level. I talked to him in, in January and what he was talking about then was how, you know, when I came in here, Scott Brooks had kind of, he had one set style of pick and roll defense that we, that they'd adopted. And you can't really do that. You need to be able to switch it up for different matchups. Well, by the time the playoffs rolled around, they had struggled so much in that area. He abandoned that and gone to, no, you got to have one thing that you're doing. We're dropping the bigs, we're pressing with the fours, and that's like how we play. And simplifying those concepts with something that he learned is really valuable for making sure that everybody's on the same page because communication is so key. It's less about what you do as it is about staying within the framework of that. So I think it was a learning experience for him. I think the criticism was justified. I think the idea that we passed him off as, you know, he was a bad hire or couldn't do it. I think that was a mistake. But is it part of it also, though, that folks, I mean, I and I say this with with respect because I like, I wouldn't see what these people write if I didn't like them. So I like, but there's a notion, and I think this has come with the analytics era, which I'm a huge supporter and, and, and love to read, but there's a notion from sort of the, these writers and NBA types that they know basketball almost better than the coaches that like, we know these numbers so much. Like I remember everybody kept saying, well, why didn't he play Cameron Payne? Well, maybe he doesn't play Cameron Payne for the reason we saw in the playoffs, which was Cameron. You can't win with Cameron Payne right now. Why is it, am I wrong in saying I feel like sometimes these folks really believe, especially the younger, good, intelligent NBA writers, that they're smarter than all of these coaches? I think it's, it be, winds up becoming a hard thing if you don't cover the games. That, honestly, is a huge problem. I agree with and, that. That's a, I like, that's a good point. Go ahead. You know, because if you talk to them, like you, don't, you don't wind up talking to Billy Donovan and thinking that he's not a good coach or doesn't know what he's talking about. You think the exact opposite. You walk away going, Wow, he's a really thoughtful guy. It's not a lot about this, and obviously he's won all these these championships and had this success. So perhaps I need to have some some faith and trust in him. I think on the other end of it, there's a real problem with if the you know you mentioned the analytics, and so it's less about analytics because that's like a buzzword as it is about well the data says yes, and if the data tells you that like a lineup is bad. The 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 data just tells you a lineup is bad. It does not work. How you adjust to that is kind of is interesting. Like, should you say, well, he's Billy Donovan and he knows? Or should you say, well, look, this just clearly doesn't work. Like, if you look at it, it has failed every single time out. Because otherwise you get in, there's only, there's two extremes. Because otherwise it becomes, you don't say anything. Yeah, I agree. You know? I, there's there's so, got to be a balance, and you're exactly there's right. There's got to be a balance. I think the key is, you do have to have the attitude. Like, you, you should not... Byron Scott is one of the most thoughtful guys that I've actually had a conversation with. I talked to him a couple of years ago when he was at the Cavs, and he, he gave me the time of day to actually sit down and do like a sit-down interview. And I talked to him about like Tyree's development as a point guard and Dion and whether he can be a starter and all these things. And he was really thoughtful and helpful. And 
then he goes to, to L.A., and you just I can't defend any of the decisions that he made. I just can't. You, you can't look at how he handled D'Angelo Russell. You can't look at how he handled their defense. The fact their defense was the bottom in the league or the second worst the two years that he was in L.A. You simply can't get around that. Do I think that Byron Scott knows more about basketball than I do? Absolutely. Do I think that Byron Scott made mistakes that I could not help but see and think about? Yeah. And if you talk to these guys about those mistakes – if they're willing to not just get defensive about it, they'll explain them, and there's often a good reason for it. That you would walk away going, okay, I can see what you're saying, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's right. And I think that's where we kind of get caught up. Whenever you come into absolutes about most anything in life, but especially with the complexities of what happens in a basketball game or over the course of a season, I think that's where we start to go wrong. I just, I, I guess I think that in some ways, at the top of the NBA, coaching's overrated. All right, in, in college... I think it's extremely important. I would even say coaching matters a lot with bad teams in the NBA, so a guy like Brad Stevens can make a mediocre team good. But at the end of the day, I don't care who's coaching these teams. The same five teams are going to be there at the end, right? I mean, like, LeBron's team's going to be there. Durant's team's going to be there. Duncan's team's going to be – like, at some point, do we make it too complicated? The, I mean, is Tyron Lue a good coach? No, he's coaching LeBron. Like, I, am I wrong about that? Yeah, I think you are. And the okay. reason I think you're wrong about it But show is, me where a superstar, a coach, has kept that superstar from having success. Um, well, I look at David Blatt first. Because okay, well, David Blatt, they, but I mean, he went to the finals. He was playing with but, scrubs, but, 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 and they but, won but, two games. But, but, you got to look at it from, from the NBA, it's all about process versus results. That's the question, okay? As you can look at it, you say, but they made the finals. Did they make the finals because of David Blatt? Or did they make the finals because they had a really weak Eastern Conference? I don't dis- – well, fine. I don't dis- necessarily – I don't think they made it because of David Blatt. But I'm telling you, I think that unless you were just a train wreck, if you have LeBron, you're in pretty good shape to start with. You are. Look, here's the difference, okay, is coaching is not more important than talent in the NBA. I think in college it is. I agree with coaching you. Coaching is more important – than talent in college because you're dealing with a bunch of 19-year-olds, very few of whom can shoot effectively. I agree. So it doesn't really, like, your coaching is way more important in college. In the NBA, you cannot go anywhere significant without star talent. I agree. Daryl Morey knew this, and that's why he got James Harden. It's why he got Dwight Howard. It's why that he had all these great, he had really good teams that were efficient and effective, but he was always searching for that star player. And the reason is you have to start there. However, the Golden State Warriors had this exact team, this exact team in 2013 and 2014. That's not exactly true, though. They had Draymond Green was was young and was just coming in the league. I mean, Kerr, now look, I, I'm, I'm not saying Kerr's not better, but but I mean, Steph Curry, Steve Kerr does not make Steph Curry make those shots. Like a big no. a big part of their offense is they hit crazy shots. And, they do. And so, like, Steve Kerr doesn't make that happen. No, but the other things, when Steph is not the in-between the in possession, when you see the Warriors making the short roll, when they're actually creating good looks, when they're sharing the ball, when they're pushing the pace, the Warriors are the first team in NBA history to lead the league in pace and defensive efficiency. That was last year. That's, no a, fair, that's, a, that's that. a fair point. And I, but I guess I would put it like this. Billy Donovan by any stretch of the imagination, outcoached Popovich in that series. He did. But I wonder if coaching is almost like – like in NASCAR, Matt. I always say this about NASCAR. Like once you're a certain level of driver, then it's kind of about what kind of car you have, right? Like you can only be so good at it. 
All right, with coaching, once you're competent, isn't that just enough? I don't think so. I really don't because I think there was a lot of coaches that would have failed with that 2013 Heat team. Uh, I think that there's but a isn't lot of that teams. more player management than it is coaching? That's like it's different. Well, I would say it's different, right? I would say that if you want to, if you want to say that it's di- that the way that that coaching impacts the game in the NBA versus college is, is different, I totally agree with you there. But the set of decisions is also much wider. Well, and let me put it, it like this: Does Popovich win the title? I guess I would say this. All right, look at the the Heat. All the co- the best teams right now. So Billy Donovan. Uh, Billy Donovan, Steve Kerr, Popovich, Tyron Lue, you know, who's the next best team? I guess maybe the Doc Rivers, okay? All five of those coaches, if you gave them the Warriors, you think they win the title? No. You don't? Okay. So you think Kerr is better than all those guys? I think Kerr instilled something in them. I think it's the way Kerr coaches. Because if Doc Rivers is coaching that team, they're not playing like that. Um, with Pop, it's a weird one. That's hard to kind of quantify because of the way that Pop, from what I know, looks at things. It could be very different. Bear in mind that Pop screws with this entire sample, right, because he's Popovich and he has an aura about him. One thing to remember is that Popovich teams, and I've tried to say this several times, the thing with Popovich teams is they're, uh, they're unstoppable in terms of their day-to-day possession-by-possession performance. The problem is when a playoff series – if you find out how to solve them, yeah. that's it. They're solvable. There is no – the Thunder were solvable and then said, okay, so what if we change things? Popovich teams aren't designed like that. And I think that one of the things that Kerr really did was it wasn't just we're going to go away from isolation basketball, which is a huge part of what they did and what was so frustrating about them from 2013 to 2014 before Kerr came in was that they were so iso-heavy with all of the kind of skill players that they had on the floor but he also changed the vibe. He changed the energy that they play with. He instilled things from both Popovich tactically and Phil, Jock- Phil Jackson philosophically. I agree with as that. A, I, I, as I, I, big of a skeptic as I am of Phil, he instilled those things, and that made them better. And so there's, if you want to say, here I think would be the difference. If you have star power, you're going to be in contention for a title. Having great coaching, it gets you an edge. It is not irrelevant. It's just not going to make the difference that having a star player let me interrupt one more time and talk about Vistaprint. You know, these folks at Vistaprint have been good friends of ours for a long time. And the 500 business cards for $9.99, if you haven't had one yet, that's on you. Because you can get, you know, you can have your career be better. But they also want to tell you they've got postcards, flyers, banners. If you want to design something, you don't want to go to a store and pay an arm and a leg, Vistaprint.com. And if you use the promo code MATT, that's M-A-T-T, that's the podcast promo code, MATT, you can get the 500 business cards for $9.99. It's up to a 50% savings from other stuff uh, on the site. Use it. Use the promo code for whatever you buy, and you will see a discount. You can get a banner for your promotions, whatever, at vistaprint.com. Again, the promo code is M-A-T-T. Make sure to go get them, and you know, if you want a higher quality, they have it, just like in, what's that movie? American Psycho, where they raise the print, and they have the thick stock and all that. Vistaprint.com. They are a great place for all your business needs. Just use the promo code, code Matt. All right, let's get back to it. I, I'm, I, I, we may not be that far off. I just, I listen to all these people tell me. I, I think there's also a difference between coaching in the regular season and coaching in the playoffs in the, mm-hmm, in the NBA. And as great as Steve Kerr was, they won 73 games. Honestly, 
if Steph misses a three in game six or Clay misses a three in game six, they may be going home and people say, what a choke job. And was yeah. any of that because of Steve Kerr? It wouldn't have been Steve Kerr's fault if they had choked, and it wouldn't have been Steve Kerr. It wasn't Steve Kerr why they I, made that shot. I, I disagree. I don't think it would. you don't look at that situation and say, say they lost because of Steve Kerr. But I think you would, I, we would have looked at the situation. I would have looked at the situation and been like, what the hell was Steve Kerr doing throwing out Anderson Barajal in these series? Why yeah, but you, but, uh, but see, now you're what? making you're making judgments based on like minuscule events. Again, I'll go back to this. There no, was that moment. Well, no, but wait a minute. Playoffs. There was a, in Game Six. Let's just talk about how it played out. In Game Six, the Thunder are up five, I think, and they come down, and Abaka has a three that goes in and out that would have put him up eight. And he missed, I mean, could have easily gone in. And then they come down and Curry hits like this falling out of bounds. No, Clay hits a falling out of bounds three to cut it to two. That's a six-point swing could have gone either way. Coaching had nothing to do with either of those things. Yet, yet if the results had gone opposite, the narratives would have been way different. Sure, I agree. But But here's a question. If we go into that series with all the information that we know about both teams, who is the better team? Well, you would think the Warriors were. Right. So if we, if we have a very good reason to believe, based off of the process, not the results, but the process, the way the Warriors play, the data, the skill sets, uh, the question marks of Dion Waiters' decision-making, uh, the inexperience of Billy Donovan, we all expected for it to be a pretty dominant Warriors series. Very few people selected the Thunder to push them beyond six. And most of that six was based off of, well, they did push the Spurs, so we're going to give them respect. I took the Warriors in five because that's how big of an advantage it looked like. The Warriors did not play up to their potential, and that includes the players, but it also, that performance, that readiness, that mental preparation and emotional energy that they lacked in games three and four, when the Thunder, the third seed, stomped them, that falls a little bit to the coach. It's never one thing. It's about all of the possessions. Yeah, it's I agree, but we don't, I think you're, you're trying to quantify something that's not quantifiable. Did they have True. mental energy? What in the world does that mean? I mean, that, no, but I know. It, I mean, that doesn't great. mean but, anything. But that's the thing, though, right? Is like if we start going into analytics, then, what want, but then all we wind up coming down to, you know, then you wind up. Or maybe just, or maybe just guys there. play better, and then there's also a matchup thing that people sca- – yeah. like, for instance, I think – and I could be wrong about this. I think Cleveland would beat Oklahoma City. I think they're going to lose to the Warriors. But I think it's because of matchups. I think Cleveland, their defensive issues could be hidden a lot better against Oklahoma City, and they're not going to be able to be hidden against Golden State. I totally agree. And it's so, all of these things. But it's that's all but that's all matchup stuff. I don't think it's coaching. I mean, I when I look well, I don't when I look at Tyron Lue. I don't think he's particularly good. I don't really know anything about him. They look like the same team to me they did before. <laughs> you know, I mean, their record is essentially the same. I mean, like, what difference did it make that, the, that they made the change? There are differences. There are differences if you look at the data, and there's differences if you talk to the team, and there's differences if you watch them on film. There's differences in their level of energy, which does really matter. In but the is NBA, any of that just because they didn't like David Blatt? I think so. I think a lot of it was. If yeah. you, but that's not coaching. That's just they don't like him. True. But I think that, that Lou being a guy that they do like means that he's connected with them in some way, and you have to give him credit for that. No, you It's do. just not a matter of, like, Lou's nice, because actually it's been the opposite. Lou ha- has more accountability for them, and I think that that's really empowered them. For, for, in the, from what I've come to understand, there was a huge lack of that with David Blatt, and you can't survive the NBA without accountability for, your, for everyone on the squad. There's got to be accountability once you're 15. Well, before I let you go, by the way, this, that was a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Let's, I want to talk just yeah. about the Kentucky guys in the league real quick. 
if you could, I, I, a couple questions. If you could only have one for the future, you taking Towns or Davis? Ugh, Towns. I love Anthony Davis. I do, but Towns showed so much, not just from his production and efficiency and skill set, but I keep going back to this. There was a play in the regular season where he, he found an open mid-range jumper and knocked it down. Like a great shot. And it was actually like a key moment in the game. And he runs back up the floor and he's cursing himself. And he's, he's looking at Andrew Wiggins. He's like, I'm so sorry. I got you. I'll do better next time. And he had not seen Wiggins on an open look that would have gotten an, a dunk out of it. He made the shot. And yet he was still really mad at himself for missing that pass. You do not see that kind of maturity for players at his age. And as great as I think Anthony Davis is, I got to take Towns. Yeah, he's the greatest kid. I mean, look, I've been doing this now for 10 years here. He's the best kid that's come through here in terms of off the court. And then you put in that talent. I mean, he's just an amazing – Like he's, it's almost like he's not real in some ways. I mean, I've told the, the people listening here know this story, Matt, but he on his way out at UK, he, I do interviews with all the players when they finish right before the draft, and he said to me on the way out, I want to come on next year and host with you. <laughs> and I was amazing. like, well, I was like, well, sure, I'd love it. N- never expecting him to do it. Then all of a sudden, a few weeks ago, I get a phone call, and he goes, "Can I come in and do it?" He not only remembered, <laughs> he came and did it. And it was—I didn't even reach out to him; he reached out to me. Like, who does that? That's, that's the great. kind of kid he is, and that's why that's really cool. I think he's going to be so successful. Are there going into the draft here? Do you, are you in draft mode yet, or no? I'm like peeking around the corner at it. I'm like, okay, uh, we don't I have to do that. How about the guys that just went? Booker, Trey Lyles, what do you think their futures are? Uh, Booker looks phenomenal. I mean, he had a lot of people really excited. Um, you know, I think that we'll see how it looks when he's kind of a primary weapon and when he's getting scouted and targeted a little bit more. Um, but I think his upside is, is really great. He's going to face the same kind of thing that all young players struggle with, which is you got to balance the energy that you give on the offensive end with your focus on the defensive end. Um, we'll see what happens in Phoenix. He's got to be empowered, but they're so, certainly planning on building around him. Uh, I think he's got a bright, really bright future. Love what I thought Trey Lyles. Just, just a phenomenal year. I really thought that he was a guy that stepped in big in key moments with, with really good players out and came in and gave them good minutes. You know, he, he's going to be a guy that, that really fits into the modern stretch four. He's really a guy that can fit that kind of a role. And I think as he gets better, especially with the great job that Quinn Snyder does in developing players, He's going to be a a really good NBA player. I don't know how much you watched Scal LeBissier, but but just suffice to say he showed almost nothing in college. Now people are saying he might go as high as seventh in the draft. I understand the mindset, but if you're an NBA team, how do you justify doing that? You know what I mean? Like, How do you justify? Is it just because they just don't make guys like that? Yeah, you always believe that your staff is going to be able to do things that that we're not capable of inside of a year. Um, so it's like a lot. So it's not like it's interesting. So you're saying, like, I would look at it and go, "Well, Cal's had a lot of those dudes, and if he didn't become one of those dudes, that says something about him." You're saying maybe it's just he needs more time. Yeah, it's you know, how is he going to look when he's 24? How is he going to look when he's 25? You know, can he can he improve? Because I mean, there's always questions about these kids because they're so young. If they wind up improving, you know, what winds up? How do they wind up projecting out? That's really what you're looking at. You're never looking at what they are when they come in. 
you're looking at, what do you think that your staff can make them into? What do you think that your staff staff can improve them and how can they make them in, into what you need them to be? And I think that's the thing is if you have those physical tools, you know, and the other thing is to be quite honest with you, just my personal draft philosophy, if they went to Kentucky, they're good enough for me. Like that's my general assessment. You know, I'm with you, except he didn't do, I mean, I, and I like the kid and the kid's an awesome kid too, but like, he didn't do anything here. Like, he couldn't play over Marcus Lee. The combine people just told Marcus Lee, get out of here. You're not going to get drafted. And Marcus Lee was better all season than Scal. And so at some point you go – but I guess the counter to that is somebody like Steven Adams, right? Because he didn't do anything at Pitt and now has become a great player. Yeah, I think a lot of it is that the games are different. It's not better or worse. They're just dramatic. Yeah, no, they different. are. You're right. And, and, the, and, and that difference – changes a lot of, you know, what guys can do. And also it's just, you know, to play in the NBA, you got to be a man and not in the, uh, not, not in the kind of, you got to have whatever kind of cultural values are assigned to that. It's just, you got to have a frame. You got to be able to withstand injury and you got to have gone through what happens in life to prepare you to be able to come in every night and focus like that. When I was 19, I was so easily distracted. I couldn't hold my attention for a movie. You know, it's just it's a different kind of situation as you get older. And when you, it's your job and it's your, and this is what you do every day for nine months is you come in and you go to shoot around and you do practice and you go through uh, you go through your, your strength and conditioning, and you go through re- through your all of your training sessions, and you go through film, and you do this day after day after day, and you mature as a person. How do you wind up on the other side of that? And that is what makes the draft such a crapshoot, but it's also what makes so many teams willing to take risks like they will probably on scout. Last question. Rondo and, and Willie Colley-Stein and, of course, DeMarcus are in Sacramento. I love DeMarcus, really like Willie, not a huge fan of Rondo, but – I'd love to see DeMarcus have success. This dude they brought in as a coach, will they have success? I think Yeager's a good coach. I just wonder if the, the I wonder if the well's been poisoned. I just think at this point DeMarcus is so tired of it because DeMarcus hasn't just been a good player on a losing team, but he's so singled out for his behavior and for what he's done with almost no recognition of the stuff that he does off the court, with almost no recognition of the fact that he hasn't had, he hasn't had a non-basketball related incident. He's not a bad dude. There's just no evidence that DeMarcus Cousins is a bad human being, even if he's still a pain in the ass for his teammates and coaches. There's just no indication that he is genuinely a bad person from what we know of him. And you would probably be able to speak more to that from your experience at Kentucky. I think he's a great, I think he's a really good kid. But, like, he's more than anyone ever has to have structure, and they just yeah. don't there. I mean, they just yeah. don't, you know? To me, it's, to me, he's a guy that it's going to just kill Sacramento fans when he goes somewhere and becomes the guy that they all hoped he would be. <laughs> Which he will. You, That's what he's going to do, yeah. right? That's his you have to, yeah. yeah, he definitely will. You, he's going to – and it's going to come at a perfect time. He's going to mature, and he's going to become – he's going to understand the things that he needs to do better. And he's going to go somewhere that has the institutional structure and organization. And that goes across everything. I mean, look, LeBron James is a phenomenal basketball mind. He has just an incredible brain on him for the game and a real drive to be the best that he possibly can be, not just in the league today, but historically. He struggled in Cleveland because they don't have the institutional structure that Miami does. That's how tough it is to get that and how important it is. And until he goes somewhere like that, 
where the situation is just right, I think he's going to really struggle. And I think until that happens, I just I have to believe that the best thing for all parties involved would be for him to move on. I credit him for not saying I want out, for not just being like. Yeah, I, I think want, he genuinely like. I think out. he genuinely loves those fans. I honestly think if it wasn't for those fans, I mean, I know him a little bit. I think he'd be he'd long ago have said that. But I think he genuinely loves how much they like him. What's weird is Kentucky's had two guys in the last seven years who I thought to myself, they have to be in a situation where structure is good, and it was DeMarcus and Willie, and they both went to Sacramento. You know, (laughs) the worst place they could have gone. They both ended up doing it. So, Matt, thank you very much. That was very good. Uh, At HP Basketball for CBSSports.com. I hope you enjoyed your uh, foray into Kentucky world. Hey, man, I appreciate it.